seated. Good morning. Yeah, I just want to welcome anyone who knew. My name is John. Thank you for being here. Just so, so grateful for you being here. Yeah, we are continuing this series. It's called The Way. Say The Way. That's right, The Way. Persistently and, and practicing the way of Jesus. And this idea came to me one day watching Tom Cruise and The Last Samurai. If you don't know, Tom Cruise and The Last Samurai, there's this way that, uh, that samurais live, and it's called the way of the warrior. It's also called Bushido, if you practice any of that. Right on, right? So I'm just going to share with you some Asian stuff, right? That, that's where the kind of idea accumulated. But the way of the warrior, there's a code, and it wasn't written down. It wasn't written down. It was a code that wasn't written down. It was passed down from master to student, a way to live, a way of understanding, a way to see the world. And Christians, we too have a master, I'm telling you. Sometimes we got to go old school and we got we to gotta have a new view of how God is leading us. We have a master and we also live by a code that reorients our life. And when we need direction or when we feel lost, have you ever felt like, oh, I need guidance today, right? If we need to learn the way. If you have ever felt lost, we need to learn a different way. Jesus guides us into a new way of living and a way of being actually more human. Say more human. Yeah, this is a thought I've been thinking about quite a bit. A way of being fully alive. He talks about, I want to give you life and life more abundantly. A way of being more fully alive. The way that I have made you to be. The way that the fullness of your life, the way that fulfillment works is my way, right? Conspiring with Jesus, his kingdom, and bringing light and life into dark places. That's part of your way. I'm telling you. It's not just something that uh, awesome Christians do. That's part of what we do. We bring Jesus' light and we bring his life into dark spaces around us. And Jesus tells us, he says, the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Say are few. Think about that for a moment. The way is, is narrow. The way, I mean, the gate is narrow, the way is hard. And, those, and it leads to life. But those who find it are few. But wide is the gate and easy is the way to destruction. And my fear for us, and I, I shared this with you last week, is that we could follow Jesus for years yet never become like him. That's right. That we remain the same four years from now or even 20 years from now still dealing with the same problems, a life with religion without transformation, an understanding of faith without relationship with Jesus. And that's why we practice the way of Jesus. And we are going to put up all the practices right there. The practice of celebration, the practice of prayer, a life with God, a practice of serving, a practice of scripture, right? Eat the word and practice of confession, a life without regrets. Last week we talked about secrecy. I want you to be ninjas of Jesus, right? Like just doing things in secret, giving in secret, praying in secret for someone. Even if it's your worst enemy, I told you last week, I hope you practice that. You picked someone last week and you just prayed for them all week long for God to be with them, to God to bless them, to God give you opportunities for that. And this week, it's the practice of community, life together. 
Now, if you have your Bibles, please turn to Matthew 22. All right. We love to celebrate the Word of God because the Word of God reveals Jesus, and Jesus absolutely changes our lives, but we got to practice it, right? That we are the wise man who's building his house on a rock. we got to practice it. I'm going to give you some stats before I run into this life together, but a recent study done by UCLA of 20,000 U.S. adults found that nearly half suffer from loneliness and social isolation. Half. Half. Loneliness is now a health issue because a person's physical, mental, and social health is all connected. The CEO of Cigna Health actually said, David Cordani, he says, we're seeing a lack of human connection, which ultimately leads to a lack of vitality, a disconnect between mind and body. And Cigna's study found, and the Cigna has a lot of people they're studying, right? Hundreds and hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people they're studying. Only 53% of Americans say they have a meaningful social interaction. 53%. And Generation Z, which are 18 to 24, I know you guys are in here, right? Are the loneliest generation that they have studied. The loneliest. And, and, and this is more than a social media issue. People who use social media and people who don't use social media, it's only a 2% difference of their loneliness. So it's not a social media issue only. It is a cultural issue. And with the epidemic of prescription use, which I'm not against, but it shows the result of the current state of people's mental health. More than anything, the way people are currently living their lives is not working. It's not healthy. You're like, where's the hope, John? You're just coming down now, right? But I just want to give you, I want to give you the problem before I give you the hope, right? And because we're always in a hurry, give me the, give me the hope, give me the hope, give me the answer, give me the solution, give me the prescription. And, uh, but we're always in this hurry, and we get too stressed. Anyone stressed? Anyone stressed this week? Me too. I'm like, oh, man, I'm stressed this week, and I'm preaching on not being stressed, right? What's going on with you? Anyone in a hurry this week? You're like, hurry up in a hurry right now. I got to do something right after this. Pressure from every side, feeling, feeling worried, feeling alone. And we know it. It's not, like the, it's not like we don't understand this. We know that anxiety is super high and we know it. Yet we keep doing the same thing, at least I do, as if I'm going to get a different outcome because I'm different. Right? Oh, it's, that's going to be their problem but not me, even though I'm doing the same thing they're doing. Have you ever thought that, right? Have you ever said these things? Because Jesus said, well, Jesus is, what if he's absolutely right when he's talking about the narrow way? Then he begins to say, you can gain the whole world, yet lose your soul. Have you ever said things like this? I'm falling apart. I feel so empty, right? I feel so detached right now. I'm losing it. I'm losing it. These are all languages of the soul, of the soul. And we better pay attention because when you start saying or thinking these things, it should be an alarm that goes off that something is not right, that the soul is getting lost. You're being detached from the way you were made, and I am made. So Jesus says there's a better way, but the way is narrow, which means it's not what everyone is doing. The way is hard. It's not easy, right? But this is the way to real life. And as we heed his warning, he says only a few will find it. A few will only believe me. A few will go after me and actually take me up on this. So I'm going to read from Matthew 22, 36 to 40, and we're going to run right into this. It says, Teacher, 
which is the greatest command of, in the law? He's like, what, what is the thing that matters? And Jesus replied, and he replies with two things, uh, two commands, which is, uh, is not two different commands. It's part one and part two of one command. He says this. Jesus replied, love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest command. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the laws of the prophets hang on these two commands. And Jesus is saying, this is what matters. Say, this is what matters. This is what matters. Yeah, this is what matters. You were created to be in a loving, deep relationship with God and also with people. Love God. Love people. This is not a Christian t-shirt. This is your calling. This is what matters, right? Everything hinges on these two things. The way you know God, the way to abundant life, the way to have strength in life when things are shaky is these two things. It all comes from relationship with God and with people. This is the main thing that gives your life meaning to everything. It's, it's the key. Yeah, we, we, we want, you know, we kind of shy away from it. It's the key. See, I know some folks here, they're like, you know, John, I do love God, but I don't like people. Any, yeah, I've said that, yeah. I, 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 man, I love God, but I don't really like people. And, and I get what you're coming from, because people are crazy, right? People are crazy, and you're crazy too. You're crazy too, right? But what if I told you, or what if you told me, better, better yet, John, I love you, but I hate your kids. They are brats. They're just idiots. I just don't like your kids, right? But I'm good with you. Guess what? You're not good with me. You are not good with me if you're not good with my kids in that way, right? You understand that? It's like, a, I love you, but I just hate your wife. You know, it does not work that way. Rico would be like, we're not good, bro. We're just not good. At yeah, see you later, right? It's not good that way. So listen, the way you love people who are made in the image of God is also how, it's also how you love God. That's right. And it, is it hard? Yes, it is very hard. And guess what? It's hard to love you too. It's hard to love you too. But the way you treat and love people is the way you treat and love God. You can't have one without the other. Even in Genesis uh, chapter 1 and 2 describes God creating this world and what God said about everything he created after each creation cycle. He's like, it's good. That's good too. I made that and that's good too. It's good. And then we read in Genesis 2.18, he says, it's not good. It's not good. What's not good? And it's, it reads Genesis 2.18, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. But he wasn't alone. He was walking and talking with God, face to face with God. But what could be better? Walking face to face with God and with people. God has made us a spiritual being and social being. See, Blaise Pascal, a French mathematician and philosopher, he wrote this. He spoke of a, a God-shaped void within people that only God can fill. But have you ever considered that you have a human-shaped void within you that God made that only others can fill? You were created to love God and, and to love each other. Everything hinges on these things. A life 
in community. And I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep pushing because some of you are like, oh, that's good. That's good information, but I don't believe it. So I'm going to have to keep pushing. Why community? Say, why community? Why life together, right? Why life together? Number one, community is the pattern that God gave us. It's the pattern that God gave us. Acts 2. 42 to 44, it's up there. It says the, the new church, they devoted themselves. The first thing they, they did was they devoted themselves to the teaching, the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, just life together, to the breaking of bread. I love these people, right? Koreans love making food for everything, right? And to prayer. And verse uh, 43 it says, everyone who filled, everyone was filled with awe at many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common from the beginning of the church till now. That's the pattern. Community is vital to how God works. The regularly meeting together. Regularly. To eat together. Learn together. To share our stuff together. Taking care of each other's needs the unity of community. This is the pattern that God gave us because this is the way it works best. Number two, community helps us grow up. Grow up. We don't want to continue being man babies, right? No one does. You don't want to be a grown-up and still do the same thing you did 10 years ago. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. How do you sharpen each other? With friction, that's right. Community, uh, believe it or not, brings a lot of friction. Right? Well, you, you, you sit in the same room, there's going to be some friction no matter how much you like them. Uh, me and my wife, the more we get to know each other, we work through a lot of friction. We, learn through, we, we, we fight together, but we grow together in that same way. That's how we sharpen. There's sparks that go on. We don't all agree upon the same thing, but this too is important. Some people view Christianity as this plastic, always smiling, Jesus shirt wearing, God is good all the time, chatting, and it's not true. It's not true. There are moments that Jesus caused much friction, so much so that people wanted to kill him. I'm not recommending that as your, as your goal, but I'm just saying that we can't grow without friction and sparks we can not grow without hardship and pain and and i and i'm telling you our, our cultural like like motto is to run from suffering you that you don't deserve it that that it's wrong there's something wrong with you and i'm telling you that is not true you cannot grow without hardship you cannot grow without pain that's how we grow you never look back in life and, remember, and you said, I remember when things were so good. I learned so much from that. No, you're like, man, I remember when I got over uh, the abuse of my childhood. And now I'm not going to do that moving forward. I'm not going to live that way. I know what not to do. There's a lot of growth in hardships of our life. And some of you, you guys have gone through some of the deepest waters. I know many of your stories. And, uh, and, and I, I'm telling you, your stories can bring freedom to the very people in this room because they're going through it now and you know how to just wade those waters, how to just stay afloat sometimes during those hard times. See, with that Christianity, there's friction. There's friction. There's hardship. And we can't run from it. We can't. When you really begin reading the New Testament, 
I, I was reading Matthew this week, and I started reading this New Testament. There was a lot of friction. I was watching Jesus pick the, the uh, apostles, these 12 apostles, and I was reading about it. He picked fishermen, right? He picked Peter, who was a fisherman. And if you know Peter, he was abrasive. He was mean. He said some stuff, and you're like, ow, right? And then there was James and John. Jesus called them the sons of thunder, right? That's not a compliment, that's not a compliment. They're like, man, they're, you guys are messed up. They wanted to call down fire on a village because they didn't listen to them, right? They're like, Jesus, kill him. Just kill him. In the name of Jesus, we pray amen, right? <laughs> so that's John and James, right? It's crazy. Then there was Matthew, the tax collector. He, or a tax collector is in collaboration with Rome. He is, he is upsetting his own people, Matthew. He's a traitor to his people. He's extorting his, his own people group for personal gain. He wasn't the IRS. He was the mob. That's what Matthew was. He was like, give me money or you will pay. You will pay. It's extortion was happening through Matthew. And, and that's one side. He's aligned with Rome. And then there's Simon the Zealot who was faithful to his people of Israel. He was known as a daggerman. You know what a daggerman is also called in Hebrew? A sicaria. Sicaria. Have you guys ever seen that movie? Sicario? Right? There's, now part two just came out not too long ago, right? Daggerman. And, and he was part of the militia to try to overthrow Rome. So when the Roman military would come through town, he would slice people's throats and then hide in the crowd. That's who Jesus picked to be a part of his crew. I was like, good one, Jesus. But can you imagine them having Bible study? Here's Matthew who's pro-Rome, and here's Simon who is just so upset. He's like, I can't believe you betrayed my people. It's like having a guy with a MAGA hat, right, talking about the Second Amendment on one side, and on the other side, you have this guy wearing a Bernie 2020 shirt, right, and he's talking about the Green New Deal in the same room. Do you think there's friction in the room? There is friction in the room. Do you think they had some words? Yeah, they had some words. Yes. Keep it down, sir. Keep it down in front. Right? But this is the group that Jesus puts together. There's this idea of community, and then there's the mess messy reality of community. And discipleship happens in the space between. You see all throughout the Bible... Faith is made through this friction, tempered by fire, like steel and like glass. Communities, how we grow up. Don't run from it. Don't run from it. Number three, community gives us greater impact. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. It was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. How many of you guys are ministers? The truth is all of us are. Yeah, yeah, it was one of those Christian questions. Yeah, I just question, Christian questioned you, right? When, when someone says, how many of you guys are ministers? If you want to get an A in church, you just raise your hand. And you're like, yeah, I'm a minister. Amen, right? The truth is all of our hands go up because we all take part. We are not spectators but participators in what God is doing, his kingdom, his newness of life, his justice, his mercy. See, in American culture, the pastors or the minister does the ministry, right? And it's true. This is, this is how I set you up. I messed you up just straight up. 
I messed you up. And, 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 and I'm, I, I apologize. I do. Because in American culture, the pastor does the ministry and the people listen to the pastor doing ministry. Leaders do the ministry and the people listen to the leaders doing ministry. But in the Bible, it doesn't say that. It says, in, in America, it says we're all ministers. The Bible is clear that all of us are ministers. We all serve. Jesus himself came to serve and not to be served and give his life as a ransom for many. How can we think otherwise? Taking part and serving together is not optional to your faith. That's how we grow. That's how we make impact. My job as a leader is not to do the ministry. I've messed it up. But to prepare you to do it and send you to do it and then celebrate you doing it, right? And, then, and as you do what God has called you to do, verse 14 says, then you will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning craftiness of men and their deceitful schemes. Instead, speaking truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him. Grow up, we'll look more like Jesus, who is the head, that is Christ. In him, the whole body is joined together, held together by every supporting ligament. That's what we are. We grow, grows itself to be, it uh, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So how can we reach and love Thornton and make an impact here? Together. How do we mature in Christ? Together. How is our mind and hearts transformed? Together. How do we look and become more like Jesus? Together. That's the purpose of life groups. That's the purpose of meeting together. People who team up and, and we pray for each other. We encourage each other. We listen to the teaching. And we teach each other. Serve and challenge each other. Love each other. Push one another. And grow together. And listen, you will never grow to your full potential alone. You must be connected to others. And now, how do you build this community? And it's laid out in scripture. Uh, but it, it takes time. Say it takes time. Nothing is overnight. Yeah, nothing is overnight. Here's how, here's how I do with my kids. Here, this is how I, what I've learned from my kids, and I want to share this, this solution with you. I, I forgot who shared it with me, but uh, I linger. If I want to know what's going on with my children, I just linger a little bit. I find that after 15 to 30 minutes, my kids just spill the beans. Whatever is going on, they just start telling me. But I have to sit there and listen to them kind of ignore me for a while. I'll sit in the room. They're like, they're like, I just don't want to talk about it. I'm like, that's cool. And I just sit there. I'm like, that's good, you know. Hey, it's my house. It's my room, right? I'm not leaving my house in my room, right? You can, you can sit there, but I'm sitting here too. I'm sitting here too. I linger. But after about 15 to 30 minutes, they start opening up. They're like, you know what's really going on, Dad, is this. You know what I've been really thinking is this, that, or everything. I really don't like my brother at all. He drives me crazy. <laughs> we have these beautiful conversations, and the walls come down, and people can be honest. Community happens as we linger, not in a hurry. The purpose is to be together, to care for one another, and hurry kills everything. Have you ever been at an appointment? And if you have been there with me, I apologize, but the dude or the lady keeps on looking at their phone, right? Oh, the, or, 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 or they say something like this, oh, don't worry, it's not that important when you're right in front of them. And you're like, yeah, it's not that important. Put that thing away, you know, you think that. And I've done that stuff, and we do it to one another. 
But we're saying what's going on here is more important than what's going on here. What's going on next is more important than what's going on now. And it's really, really hard to be present when we're looking at our watch constantly, right? And, and, and it's funny because when you look at your watch, it automatically means I need to go, doesn't it? And, and it's funny. It's like, oh, don't worry. It's not as important. And you're like, yeah, it obviously is because we can't have this conversation. Sometimes hurry kills everything because you can't be in the moment. You can't be present in a hurry. Your mind is on the next thing. Today, I almost believe hurry is the greatest spiritual enemy that we have because it takes time to build close relationships. If we're too busy working and achieving and busy online, if you don't stop this train, life will only continue to accelerate, leaving us more and more alone. Hill City, church, us, we have to live countercultural to what's going on. We have to. Jesus flips the script. And we have to just, like, take one step in that way. Say no to good things, to say yes to God things in your life. To love God and love people. It takes time, and you have to linger. So linger at church next week and even this week. Get there early and stay late. Don't plan anything after. Take someone to lunch and just hang out. Linger. Linger at life group. Deep relationships happen most of the time without a plan. Right? Most of the time, if there's no plan, we're already looking at our phone, right? And have you ever seen, like, in the airport, everyone's just staring at their phone, right? But most of the time, deep relationships happened when we were lingering. Yesterday, I was, we, were, uh, we were at uh, uh, what, the, the Mexican carniceria. What is that called? Beltran. We were eating tacos at Beltran, right? And I tell my son, Micah, to, to hold that table. And, uh, he, and he sits at the table, and this guy just sits at the table. He's like, I'm good. You can join me. I was like, what do you mean you can join me? That's my table. I was thinking that. Uh, it was really funny. He's like, you could join me. I was like, no, you could join me. <laughs> but we sat down with him. We started just, and, and, and we didn't look at our phones. We just started talking. And we had the most beautiful conversation. He's been here from Chicago one month, right? And he's talking about his family. He took on this new job. We got to talk about Jesus. He, he was a Christian. And we just started to linger and talk as he took my table, right? There was, there was four of us, and he was the fifth. But we, we, he, he thought we were the four joining him. And I was like, all good. But it was a beautiful God moment where we were just talking about life. You can't do that when you're on your phone. You really can't do that. You, we are anticipating lingering. And you do that in life groups. And we do that when you're waiting. And linger when you're serving. Number two, it takes vulnerability. No one likes this. Who likes to be vulnerable? No one raises their hands, right? Right? Because it hurts. But community exposes us to our blind spots. It's very exposing. It exposes your greed, right? People make you angry, and you're like, it's their fault. No, that's in you. What comes out of you is in you. Jealousy begins to build, right? Right? Fear. We, the deceptions we believe in, someone calls it out and you're like, how dare you? How dare you? Right? We have excuses and it comes out in community. God uses people to draw the sins and the poisons of our life out. But it takes us from facing it and having those conversations like Jesus did with the disciples, bringing two worlds together. We can run from it. Or we can face it and face our vulnerability. There's no way around that. And number three, the final one, it takes practice. It takes practice. Life together takes practice. 
Sometimes we go to life group and it's super weird. Go again. <laughs> go again. It takes practice, right? You've gone to group and it didn't work, or you've gone to a ministry or a prayer night or whatever, and you're like, oh, that was just, uh, it's, I, I didn't like it. I'm not going to do it again. No, do it, try it again. Try it again. Go to a prayer night again. Invite someone over to your house again, even though you do it awkwardly. Do it awkwardly twice, right? Don't give up so soon. And as we're closing today, I just want to tell you, we all need a squad. We do. And the guys are going to prepare communion. They're going to bring it up. We all need a squad. Tell your neighbor, you need a squad. That's right. You need a squad. Life, you need a squad, Jen, Tino, because life is way stronger together. It's better together. But it takes lingering. It takes vulnerability. And it takes practice. For the young, young ones, those who are 18 to 24 in this room, and, and, and even, like, even if you're younger than that, I, I'm telling you, this is so important for your life. I know you don't need people. You don't, you don't feel like it. But I'm telling you, this is some of the most important things that you can do. You can start passing that out. We need one another. Life is better together. Today we're taking this thing called communion communion like we are communing together right Jesus on the night that he was betrayed takes starts communion out of all the things he could do he brings people together and he has a meal with them and he says you got to remember this and every time you, you come together in my name I want you to remember this that we are communing together there we are building something together and together is the way that I want you to live this life every time you come together remember me coming together is so so valuable because I believe you're either going to be apart or you're going to come apart this life is rough you're either going to be apart or there's going to be moments that you're going to come apart and guess what's so weird about life you don't need people until you need them. I'm telling you. You, you think like life group, oh, we're just meeting together, eating some chips and talking about Jesus. And, and it just doesn't seem as valuable until you need them. Until you're going through something and you're like, I wish I had a squad. I wish someone would hold me up. I wish there's a need in my life that needs to be met. But then you look around and there's no community around that. We, only, we need people when we need people. And what you're doing is you're building something for your whole life. We're not living in the moment. We're living with a big view of God. How can we impact our city together? How is life better? Together. How are we stronger in the faith? Together. How can we get beyond some of these thoughts that I've been having and I've been struggling with? Together. How do we overcome sin? Together. How do we raise children? Together. Because there are moments for some of you parents that your son or daughter might not share with you what's on their heart, but they will share with your best friend who you trust. And you'll look at them. Are they okay? And they say, okay. Then you're like, then I'm good too. Because you trust them. We were built to love God and love people. To love God and love people. Let's take a moment. Let's just bow our heads in this moment of communion. And let God speak to you for a moment.
for some of you, God is just inviting you on a new journey. And this is your, God, the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart and saying, you need to start new. And everything, maybe for some of you, everything that you knew about Jesus, maybe you need to push a reset button and say, Jesus, I, I need a new start. God, maybe you're a returner. This is your first time at church for, since a long time. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, but you need a Savior today. If that's you, I want you to respond to Christ in prayer. Say, God, I need you. I don't, there's no perfect prayer. There's no magic prayer, but it's taking one step, joining in on what you're doing, joining in on your family. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And I always break it in my hand. And he says, this is my body that was broken for you so that your body, that your life, don't, it doesn't need to be broken. And he took on all our sin. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. He says, whenever you meet together in community, in communion, do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. Later that night, he took the cup and he says, this is my blood that is poured out for you. This is the new covenant. I'm starting something new. No longer do you need to go to the temple. No longer do you need to go somewhere to find me. I'm right, I'm right with you. I'm covering you. And he took the cup. He says, anytime you drink of this, he says, remember me. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup together. Thank you, Lord. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Go ahead. Let's stand. I want to know you, Lord, like I know a friend. I want to know you,
pray that we never forget that, God. We always complicate it, God. It's all about you. I thank you, God. Spend a few more moments. Thank you. 
church, come on. Father, we just trust you, God. I pray for more than anything, Lord God, that we would take one more step of faith towards you, Lord God. Sometimes it's not, it's not ten things. It's just one thing, Lord God, that we trust you over. We trust our feelings, Lord. We trust you, Lord God, as your truth, Lord God, and not just the way, Lord God, how we're responding to it. So I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God. I pray today, Lord God, that people here today would trust you, for one more part of their life, Lord God. Thank you so much, Lord God. Thank you so much, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. You guys can be seated as the guys come forward. I'm going to just go through some of the things that are coming up. I'm going to just read you Matthew 6.33. I always read this in our giving as you are preparing to give here, and that our life is about generosity, that God is a generous God, and that our goal is to be generous to our city. We're doing an outreach on 4th of July, that if you guys want to serve, please come and serve in that way. We want to be generous to our missionaries. We want to be generous in, in moving forward the kingdom of God here. We want to, there's a couple of things that we really want to do, uh, starting community dinners still, and so just, that's what we're doing. We want to reach our city. We believe we're called to this city, to love our city with, with the tangible love of Jesus, spiritually, socially, with the, uh, going against social poverty, and physically. And that's what we're doing in our giving. So I'm going to just pray for offering and just tell you things that are coming up. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we give, Lord, online, uh, for those who are even listening online right now, Lord God, I, as we give and become generous, Lord God, we look to your word, Lord God. You are a generous God. And your church, Lord, together can make a grander impact of their city and the people around them, Lord God. And we all play a part, Lord God. We're all part of the body, Lord Jesus. 
And I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that we would release and trust you, Lord God, in our generosity, in our giving. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. If you look into your programs, there's a couple of things going on. Know that uh, we are doing this big, like, pool party bash thing. It's right in there. It's going to be next week. Uh, and on Sunday, also, we have the 4th of July outreach that please join us. We're going to do some passing out with the flyers. Please meet Monica here. She's going to lead that. And also, we have, uh, if you miss the prayer nights, come to our prayer night. Once a month, we pray together. I feel like that is super, super important that we trust God uh, in, in prayer. Because in prayer, God, we're not always only praying for something. In prayer, God is, is making us so that he can trust us with what he has for us. It's a beautiful process of prayer. So please come out to that. But I just thank you guys for being here. I pray that the word is in you. Why community? How community? To love God and to love one another. That's our highest call. I'm going to pray and then we're going to leave. But uh, just pray with me. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for just the opportunity, the privilege to meet, Lord God, together as a family, Lord. But when we leave these doors, we are all ministers, Lord God. We all serve, Lord God. We all take part, Lord Jesus. And I pray in the name of Jesus, help us, Lord God, all of us individually and corporately make a radical impact in this community, in the schools, Lord God, in the mom's groups, Lord God, in, in, the, in the Mexican restaurants, Lord. We have a message, Lord God, and we have a love to give, life to give, to shine your light in dark places, Lord God. Let that be us today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for being here.